Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm Alex Hogan. Excessive temperatures sweeping the U.S. and around the globe. This should be a wake-up call, and and how do we protect uh, our people, and how do we protect the vulnerable? And I think it's important to point out the vulnerable, meaning, you know, the elderly, our children, and our pets. I'm Dave Anthony. Higher prices keep hurting people with lower incomes, driving up demand at food pantries. Between the rising gas prices and the inflation, the changes in the rising prices that they're seeing at the grocery store, that they are coming to us in record numbers. They just can't make ends meet. And I'm Ben Domenech. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Soaring temperatures in Europe this week have shattered records as the death toll from heat-related problems continues to rise. It's just really, really hot. It's exhausting. Um, it's really hard to like go anywhere. Uh, in the metros, there's like probably 50. So if you go in there, you're just full of sweat. It's, it's just really hot. Back home in the U.S., more than 120 million Americans are under excessive heat warnings or advisories, and the dangerous temperatures have triggered massive wildfires. Here's Oklahoma's fire department captain. Just a tiny spark can start a grass fire. With this dry vegetation, it just does not take a lot to get just the, just the grass fire moving. But while these soaring temperatures this week are breaking records, some parts of the country have had little relief in the last month. Texas has really taken the brunt of the heat already for weeks. This is Janice Dean, Fox News senior meteorologist. I think Dallas, Texas, there have been no days under 100 degrees for probably a couple weeks now. Uh, and so that stretches from Texas up towards the central U.S., Oklahoma, Arkansas, over the Mississippi River Valley, and now the Northeast. Uh, the big cities are under heat advisories where temperatures are going to be close to 100 degrees already, but with the humidity, it's going to feel oppressive. And people really, if you have heat related illnesses or you're susceptible, you can't be outside for a great length of time because your body just can't cool off naturally uh, in temperatures that feel like 104, 110 degrees. Yeah, and this hasn't been a one-off. I mean, for example, in San Antonio, the city has had 17 days at or above 100 degrees. So how do you keep up with these kinds of temperatures? And do we think that this is going to last throughout the summer? Well, it's been brutal so far for folks in Texas. I have relatives that live in Dallas, and and this has been their biggest story so far this summer. Uh, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I mean, they're not getting much relief. Uh, Temperatures will go down into the 90s, but then 
right back up into the 100-degree range. So we've got this area of high pressure that has been anchored across the same region, uh, this stubborn, persistent pattern that just won't budge. You know, when you have, like, springtime, you typically have these cold fronts or this areas of low pressure that move through. They bring down the temperatures. But we really haven't had anything like that this summer. And so for the short term, we're still dealing with extreme heat. Uh, and that's going to be difficult when you're running the air conditioner nonstop. Uh, we're going to have uh, power outages. Uh, the electrical grid is going to be affected. And, you know, if it continues, we're going to have big problems. And it already has triggered fires across the country. There have been wildfires in as many as 13 states. So do we see any relief in some of the places that typically are not this hot? I think a lot of people hear it being hot in Texas. And while these are unprecedented levels of heat, are there any places that are seeing record-breaking numbers and it's not typically this hot in those places. Well, the alarming thing, Alex, is that we are seeing temperature records being broken in areas that typically see really hot temperatures in the summertime. So mm. Texas, across the Mississippi Valley and towards the southeast, when you're breaking daytime records in July, in areas that typically see very warm temperatures this time of year, that's really impressive. So unfortunately for the short term, no, they're not going to get much relief at all. Here in the Northeast, we've got several days of at least 90 degree heat for New York City up towards Boston, even into Maine. That's going to be persistent for the next few days as well. I know when we hear these temperatures soaring, the big concern is making sure that people stay safe. And we often hear stay hydrated, stay inside. Is there anything else that people can do? Well, I think that's when you have to look to your leaders as well. Uh, they have to come out and say, here's what we're doing to help our citizens. Uh, and that means finding cooling centers across the country. If you need to go to places that are cooler, you know, you need to be inside in air conditioning. That is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And then if you are outside, being hydrated is the biggest thing, wearing cool, loose clothing. But really, it's trying to take care of those who are the most susceptible to the heat. And as you mentioned, this is something that unfortunately is not going away anytime soon in some of these really hard hit areas that are bracing through this heat. And I think as people are, are listening to this story and watching it and seeing how it impacts them, there are some terms I'd like to clear up a little bit just so people can understand what is impacting them. So we hear a lot about a heat dome. What exactly does that mean? That's an area of high pressure that, uh, you know, you see on the map areas of high pressure and low pressure. And that's what has been persistent over the last few weeks across the central and southern plains. It's a dome of high pressure that's not moving. Uh, it's mm -hmm. sinking air and it dries things out and it just continues to bring those warm temperatures. And then when you have something called the dew point, which is the moisture content in the atmosphere, that's what makes it even more oppressive. So when you see hot, humid conditions, your body has to work harder to cool off and then your organs can shut down. So it, this is a really serious, dangerous and life threatening situation in a lot of these places. So I know there's this 
constant conversation for people who say they prefer the dry heat versus the humid heat or they prefer the humidity. Is there one kind of heat that is easier to adapt to? Well, listen, you know, if you live in Arizona, they call it a dry heat because they don't mm -hmm. have the humidity that you would typically get along the Gulf Coast where you have a body of water. Uh, but if you've got like 120 degrees in Death Valley, that's dangerous. You know, there's there's no way uh, to make it be better. Um, the one good thing, good news story in the Southwest right now is they're into the monsoon season, which typically mm -hmm. comes this time of year. It's the shift in the winds that brings moisture in from both the Gulf of Mexico and the Pacific Ocean. And they've had afternoon thunderstorms, which have helped cool off that region. But unfortunately, folks in Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, you are not getting a lot of relief in terms of rain or cooler temperatures. Unfortunately, uh, as you mentioned, we've seen these soaring temperatures not just across the U.S., but across the world, especially in Europe, where I am. 1,700 people so far have died in the last week in Spain and Portugal from these heat-related causes. But it's really across the continent. France, Italy, and Greece, they've all been hard hit, especially with wildfires because of the heat. Mm -hmm. It's been exceptional. Uh, they are not used to these types of temperatures for a long period of time. We broke a record of 104 degrees in a portion of England. I think it was High Corningsby. I think I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the exact city title is, but uh, that is a. That was also at um, at Heathrow at the airport in, in London, where I am. That so that's that hit that temperature. A, that's a national record. That does not mm -hmm. happen very often. Uh, in London, I think their seasonal high right now is in the mid 70s. So that's really exceptional. And people don't realize this, but they're not used to these types of temperatures and they're not equipped to deal with this. A lot of places do not have air conditioning. I think I read less than 5% of homes in yeah, exactly. the London area have air conditioning of any sort. Uh, so that's a big problem. And actually a lot of these homes are insulated for the winter time. So that's not mm -hmm. helpful. Um, so that is a story that we need to pay attention to. And it's really widespread across the continent with temperatures that have shifted slightly here in London where I am. It's a little bit less hot than it was on Tuesday. But what is the weather pattern looking like? Will some of these countries, some of these cities see relief in the week or potentially weeks ahead? Yes, there's good news there. Uh, temperatures are going to come down to more seasonal levels. And so far, I don't see on the horizon the extreme heat that they have seen thus far. But again, I always say I don't like to forecast past five days. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's why we have to kind of really rely on the scientists to give us their best information from all of the computer models that they look at. But for the foreseeable future right now, temperatures are going back to what they should be for this time of year. And climate change activists have said that this is just alarming. You yourself in monitoring some of these weather patterns, have you ever seen anything to this extent? I think we do need to be concerned about this. There is already evidence uh, that the temperatures are on the rise. Do I think that this is, you know, a 10 alarm fire right now? Maybe not, but we need to prepare for these types of weather patterns to be more common, I think think.
Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's not only affecting people, but the infrastructure here simply can't keep up with these types of temperatures. There's one bridge in the city that they actually wrapped with foil, an old metal bridge to reflect some of the heat off of it to prevent some of the cracks in the bridge from expanding. So while we do see temperatures hit 100 in the U.S., it's just not seen here and not used to and and how you grapple with that and prepare for these kinds of temperatures in the future i think there will likely need to be a lot of conversations between city officials and meteorologists about how you move forward I agree completely. I mean, if the, anything, this will be sort of a lesson uh, in how we have to prepare. I do the weather and I'm all about preparation, you know, fix the roof before it starts to rain. Uh, and I think this is sort of this should be a wake up call. And, and how do we protect uh, our people and how do we protect the vulnerable? And I think it's important to point out the vulnerable, meaning, you know, the elderly, our children and our pets. We have to definitely make sure that all of all of the above are taken care of the most. And Janice, before you go, I do want to ask you about your new podcast, the Janice Dean Podcast. I know the first episode came out on Monday. Congratulations. How is it going so far? It's very exciting, Alex. I've been doing a lot of interviews. Um, I have so much wonderful stuff uh, that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. You know, I've been at Fox for close to 20 years now. I started my career in radio, so I have this love of, you know, just listening to stories as opposed to seeing them on television. I think it's kind of a really intimate connection that you have with somebody and I love it when people tell me that they go for walks and they listen to the podcast and they complete their exercise after the podcast is over it means that I've done a good job so um, <laughs> I, I have a lot of exciting guests coming up and I, and I hope that Alex uh, you'll come on the Janice Dean podcast in the future as well. I would be honored. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me and for sharing your insight with all of us about what to expect when we look at these weather patterns and how it's impacting places not only in the U.S. but around the world. Fox News Senior Meteorologist Janice Dean and also host of the new Janice Dean podcast. Go check it out. Thanks for joining us, Janice. Oh, thank you, Alex. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Ben Dominich with your Fox News commentary coming up. It's a problem we're all paying for. Tackling inflation is my number one priority. And President Biden says it's Russia's fault. I call it the Putin tax increase. Blaming Russia's leader for invading Ukraine, driving gas prices to a record high last month. And though they have come down more than a half dollar, Republicans, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, blame the president's energy policies and regulations. He has facilitated this, uh, and I think that's had a huge impact on overall inflation because everything that's produced uh, relies on energy. And when those energy costs go up, it has an effect across the board. But beyond the politics, the realities. In June, the consumer price index surged up. 9.1%, the highest annual inflation in more than 40 years, 
costing us a lot more at the grocery store, and some can't afford that. As a result, food bank demand is rising and shelves are running low. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, it is a resurgence in demand like when COVID first hit and there were long lines in many places. Zanita Tisdale is a director at the Food Bank for New York City. What we really are seeing and anticipating really for the next 12 months is an increase still to the number of people that are coming to visit food pantries and soup kitchens. And that is happening across the country. We take you to Jeffersonville, Indiana, right across the river from Louisville. We know that our clients are expressing to us that between the rising gas prices and the inflation, the changes in the rising prices that they're seeing at the grocery store, that they are coming to us in record numbers. Kara Brown is executive director at the Center for Lay Ministries, which runs a food pantry. They just can't make ends meet without the help of the food pantry. You said record numbers. There was a lot of demand during the pandemic, right? I mean, a lot of people didn't, they, they lost jobs or they had a hard time or they were out of work for a little while and it was a tough time. What's it like then versus now? I would say right now we're actually facing higher numbers, seeing higher, higher numbers of clients than we were during the start of the pandemic, which we definitely saw record numbers at the start of the pandemic when people were losing their jobs. Um, and we had, we definitely had line cars waiting outside. Um, but right now, last week, actually July 5th, we hit a brand new record for the most number of clients we'd served in a day, um, which we're open, um, Monday through Friday. So we're open from nine to three thirty daily. And, um, we saw 84 clients and that's households, not just individual clients, but we count it as a how each, each client as a household. Um, so that, that we may be feeding more you know, members of their household and just that one client, but 84 clients through the door in one day last week. Um, and that was a new record for us. When you are dealing with people coming in, have you seen a lot more people who are doing this for the first time? We are definitely in the last few weeks, the last month, even uh, we have a lot of people who have told us that they're just really struggling right now. One lady came in a, a couple of weeks ago and said, I hope it's okay that I, I'm here. I've never been here before. And I'm like, no, that's, that's why we're here. We're here to help you. And she's like, my family is just really struggling. I just had to come. So we're seeing that more and more. And we definitely know that all of those, the inflation are just affecting our clients so much. And it's got to be hard, right? I mean, nobody really wants to go to a pantry with their hand out, right? Right. So we try to welcome everybody in, be as friendly as possible, make it a good experience for people. Our volunteers are amazing. And I would tell you, we could not do, we have a very small staff and uh, we couldn't do what we do without our volunteers. We have probably around 90 active volunteers and they do an amazing job. And we want to welcome everybody that needs food. When people think about going to a food pantry and and they need help and they finally decide they have to do it. Do they have to show that they can't afford something? Do they have to prove anything or do they just show up? I know that varies from food pantry to food pantry. For our, uh, our food pantry, we really just want um, some information about your, your driver's license, the number of people who live in your household, and um, like information about your address because we, we primarily serve our, our current Clark County. 
So the other, we would serve somebody from a different county if they come to us for the first time, but then we would direct them to the uh, food pantry that would be more appropriate to where they live. So we kind of want some proof of residence. But income information is all self-reported, and we do not verify that in any way. Okay. Inflation also means the cost for you goes up to acquire some of these things, or at least it affects the people who donate to you, correct? It definitely does. Uh, I had an experience last week now where I had, uh, we, we received grant money that helps us purchase food to, to give out to our clients, helps us fill our shelves. And I went to the grocery store, had placed a large order and never even thought about it. Just with, you know, things I would normally have ordered, I go to pay for it. And um, the bill was over $5,000. Normally it would have been probably 3500 to 4000 wow. And uh, it maxed out my debit card limit. I had to call the bank and have them up my limit so that I could pay for it while I was standing there in line. Wow. Um, I didn't, I just needed, I only had a $5,000 debit card limit for the Center for Life Ministry. So I'm assuming that's never happened to you before. No, it had not. And, it, you know, in some ways it, it was just kind of shocking to me because I just, I wasn't prepared for that. And I feel like that's, probably what a lot of our clients go through when they go to the grocery store and all of a sudden they see the amount of food in their cart and what the price is when they go to pay the bill. Have you, then, have you had a hard time getting certain things? Are you giving yeah. out, do you have to give out less? Do you have to tell people, well, I'm sorry, we have fewer uh, you know, meat products? Yes, definitely. We have been affected by the inability to get in certain items, just like the rest of the country. Um, for whatever reason, there were runs on certain items or, you know, certain factories maybe that were having issues keeping up with the production. And so that supply chain affects us as well. And so, yes, we haven't been able to give out some of the items we would typically put in every family's box of food um, just because we can't get it. Do you get donations from restaurants? We do occasionally. Mostly what we get are um, donations. We help with a zero hunger, zero waste program with local grocery stores. And so we actually pick up at grocery stores locally six days a week to uh, with their food items that are going to expire and then distribute those to our clients. What about donations, food drives? Have you been doing a lot of those? We're definitely seeking those. And that's kind of, um, we had put out on our Facebook page asking for people to think of us in July. Uh, typically, I would tell you probably food pantries across the country realize that between, uh, let's say, Thanksgiving and Christmas is when, you know, bountiful donations come into the food pantry. That's when everybody thinks of us. Right. And so uh, we need people to think of us in the summer months or the spring months and um, help stock our shelves. And we have been, you know, asking people on our Facebook page, asking our volunteers to put things in their organizations or churches, newsletters, um, just trying to seek more opportunities from local businesses and local organizations for food drives and for donation opportunities. My wife has been involved in a food pantry in our area. And one of the things that she has found is that people, um, they give a lot of cans and they give a lot of food, but they aren't necessarily thinking about the things that they like to eat more. And so do you have a hard time getting food that people really want as opposed to staples of cans of soup or, or vegetables? We're lucky as far as fresh vegetables in the summer, at least. We have a few master gardeners groups who donate to us, and that really helps us. Uh, in addition to the regular donations that we get with the food banks that we work with, the master gardeners help 
fill in some of the holes for fresh food in the summers, summer months. But yes, I know people tend to donate sometimes the things that are in the back of their cabinet that they haven't themselves wanted or right. eaten. Right. And and I I tend to remind people that if you wouldn't eat it, why would you think a food pantry client would want to eat it? You know? Right. And so um So what yeah. do you tell people if someone asked you, okay, what what should I donate? What would you tell them? I still would tell you it's the staples because right now I, many times I would tell you we have lots of canned vegetables, but right now we really don't. We're seeing so many clients that we can still use all the basic staples, the things that have long shelf lives. Um, so spaghetti, spaghetti sauce, cereal is a big item, peanut butter, because uh, we've been really low on peanut butter lately. And then um, all the, the ramen noodles, the macaroni and cheese, the things that kids can eat because kids are home for the summer right now. They're all very important to what we give our clients every month. And as far as um, when people donate, do they get a, you know, a lot of times people want to have some sort of a tax receipt. How do you do that for food? How do you, how, how do you itemize or tell them how much they can write off on taxes? So we actually uh, do give receipts if anybody requests it, but we weigh all the food that is donated to us and we weigh all the food that we give away. So it's one more measurement for us. Um, they would have to assign their own price to it because they know what they paid for it, or, you know, as gotcha. far as their donation goes. But we will give them a weight. And a lot of like the churches who donate to us, they collect all every time they donate, they ask for the weight and then they report back to their church every month how much food they've donated to us in pounds. Money. Is that preferable? Would you rather have somebody write you a check for $500 or give you a food that's worth $500? You know, nobody in my position would ever turn down money, right? Right. <laughs> Um, but money is always helpful because while we definitely need food, we also need to pay our light bill and our, uh, you know, any of our utilities and our gas for our trucks and anything else, just like everybody else does. So money always helps, you know, pay those other expenses, not just for the food. I'm sure you're hoping all these prices come down soon. <laughs> Definitely. It would, it would make our job so much easier and it would allow us to continue giving our clients, you know, a, a decent amount of food that will really help them in their lives. Well, we wish you the best and thank you for the, what you do for your community. Kara Brown, Executive Director at the Center for Lay Ministries in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Really appreciate it. News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Ben Dominic. What's on your mind? The House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly to support the addition of Finland and Sweden to NATO this week in a decision that is likely to expand the strength of NATO and will bring in two nations that are already paying almost 2%, in the case of Finland, more than 2%, toward their defense budgets. The addition of Finland and Sweden is key to the strengthening of NATO that has occurred since the invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin. Uh, it's something that was unexpected in many ways. Some people 
felt that NATO had served its purpose during the Cold War and was no longer really an essential functional institution of international relations. But now it is significantly strengthened and is going to be a major factor in the years to come, regardless of the outcome of the Ukraine conflict. Some have disputed the addition of Finland and Sweden from the perspective of an America first approach to foreign policy. But if you are an America first foreign policy mind, someone who believes that the interests of the American people ought to be the priority of any leader, you should welcome their addition. They aren't going to be hanging on, they're going to be paying their way, and they're serious nations that are going to bring serious militaries to play when it comes to the future of the NATO Defense Alliance. I'm Ben Dominich. Listen and subscribe to the Ben Dominich podcast, which you can find at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.